welcome to Driving Forces, your weekly news show where we discuss politics and policy, issues that impact our city, state, and our country. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. Each week, my amazing co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston, and I explore the issues that are making the headlines, such as in healthcare, in the environment, transportation, of course, politics, social justice, and education. And it is back to school season. That is the focus of today's show. So just in a short while, we're going to be joined by the New York City Schools Chancellor, David Banks, who's going to bring us up to date on the latest developments regarding our nation's largest public school system. And as you know, the system has been facing a number of challenges this year, looming budget cuts that impact all city agencies, accommodating the surge of new students from migrant families that have arrived in the city, even a potential bus strike. And later in the show, Celeste and I are going to be opening up the phone line so you can weigh in. But mentioning her name makes me want to bring her on. So Celeste, great to have you on today. Uh, we're bringing in Celeste. Uh, we're just yeah. uh, sorry about that. Very, go. very there professional all around, but happy to be with you here. Happy Thursday, Jeff, <laughs> and happy Thursday to everybody out there in Radio Land. I'm usually the one who forgets to like click that mute button uh, on and off. So thank you. I've I've been missing you this past week. So much going on in the news, including some breaking news this afternoon that you and I just uh, talked about a little while ago. I don't know if you want to bring our listeners up to date on that or you'd like me to. Okay, Hunter Biden, folks, just so you know, Hunter Biden was indicted. I'm quoting Associated Press here. He was uh, indicted today on federal firearms charges. That is the latest step in a long-running investigation into President Biden's son, and it puts the case on track towards a possible high-stakes trial as the 2024 election looms. He is accused of lying about his drug use when he bought a firearm in October 2018. That is a period when he acknowledged struggling with addiction to cocaine, according to the indictment that was filed in federal court in Delaware by a special counsel that's overseeing the case. And the indictment, by the way, comes weeks after the collapse of a plea deal that would have averted a criminal trial and weeks or months of distracting headlines for President Biden. Right, Jeff. And I think what we're seeing here, two things, certainly, you know, people making an argument that it is correct to question whether uh, the president's son or relatedly, perhaps even the president himself have benefited uh, from some of these associations at the same time, of course, very hard to ignore the uh, the high likelihood of uh, the fact that uh, considering the situation that the former president finds himself in, former President Donald Trump facing lawsuits on a wide array of fronts, particularly uh, in regards to the uh, the events surrounding the uh, last presidential election, uh, you know something obviously that certain people in the Republican Party, specifically people that are are fans, supporters, adherents of Trump, uh, might want to distract a little bit of attention from. Not saying we know what would happen with this inquiry. Not saying we know the whole story about Hunter Biden. But certainly there is an element there, at least from a pragmatic political perspective, of of that sort of thing. Jeff, I think. I know. You know, also in the news this week, a big decision uh, that took place in Texas, a federal judge rejected the Biden's administration's efforts to save the DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Basically, this is a blow to immigrants, but the judge did not mandate an immediate end to the program. The decision, by the way, folks, doesn't compel the, compel the government to take any immigration, deportation or criminal action against any DACA recipient. However, current applicants will be able to keep and renew their protection, but no new applications are going to be allowed. This is expected, by the way, to generate an appeal by the government, and the case could, Celeste, wind up in the Supreme Court. Right. And I think this is related to an issue that you and I, Jeff, have talked about on this program multiple times, of course. Uh, and of course, DACA recipients, uh, these people are in a very different situation, but certainly the, uh, the situation with migrants flooding into the United States continues. And now we are seeing, and I'm sure you've seen some of the same coverage. It is not just New York City that is dealing with this. It is not just New York State that is dealing with this, but communities now surrounding major cities, uh, and the communities surrounding them now trying to figure out how can they support, uh, where can they house, how can they feed people who are coming in 
uh, and taking uh, taking the opportunity to uh, move to these states, at least temporarily, under right to shelter laws. So again, you really have sort of not only a, a political, but a philosophical and a financial struggle that's going on there with welcoming people in, at least temporarily, people who are in many cases asylum seekers who are trying to get out of countries where they are facing extraordinary poverty, high crime rates, uh, political unrest, and so on. And so I think this is becoming much more widespread. New York City does not need to feel alone in this. But at the same time, uh, Mayor Adams and many other public officials have warned that we are really coming to a breaking point on this, Jeff. Yeah. And one of the big developments, uh, Celeste, that's been happening this week is there now seems to be some movement, but at the same time, friction over uh, issuing work permits to asylum seekers, because what's happening in the state here is Governor Hochul is now, I'm saying now, because uh, mm. there's been a lot of criticism about how slow she was to move on this issue, but she's now saying the state is considering how to issue these work permits to asylum seekers so they could basically circumvent the lengthy amount of time it takes to get permits on a federal level. But the White House basically pushed back on this earlier this week. They responded by saying this is clear. Clearly, their bailiwick and to quote, not something we should encourage the states to pursue. So in one area, by the way, Celeste, that's being severely impacted by the number of migrants who are coming to the city is our public school system, which is accommodating, if I have that number correctly, correct, it's about 20,000 migrant students. Many of them have been living in temporary housing. So that brings us to today's topic, the start of a new school year. Just a few days ago, the mayor announced that all agencies are going to have to submit plans for the first of three rounds of budget cuts. That includes the Department of Education and the cuts come as the city basically deals with the surge of asylum seekers. Now, the mayor has said that such cutbacks are on the table if federal and state officials do not provide additional funds to aid with New York's migrant population. But again, this comes as the city is about to also reach the expiration of billions in COVID-19 relief funds that supported some signature programs like the free summer school program, Summer Rising. So the school's chancellor, David Banks, already warned that there would be difficult decisions ahead. And at the same time, as this new school year has begun, his sweeping new literacy overhaul has begun, and the system's also been facing a potential of a bus strike. So let us bring him on. Schools Chancellor David Banks, welcome back to WBAI's Driving Forces. Certainly my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me again. Chancellor, new school year underway, only a few days into the new school year. Share with us some of the key challenges and priorities that the school system is facing as students return more fully to in-person learning. Well, certainly the challenges are really around the resources that uh, we have to deal with as, re as relates to the budget, potential budget cuts that are coming. Uh, we've got the issues around the, the migrant students, and it's not the students themselves that pose a real challenge for us. It's really just the resources that we need from the federal government, as you can hear that playing out in the news on a daily basis with the mayor. Uh, we, need, we need help from the federal government. The stimulus funding that we got during the pandemic has essentially run out. And, um, and, and, and we need the support um, for the city to help the migrants. We've done a great job. I'm very proud of what we've done in New York City Public Schools to support these kids. Um, we welcome them with open arms. In fact, that's what we call it, Project Open Arms. Uh, and any child that shows up on our doorsteps, we're going to do everything we can to be very supportive. That being said, here are the priorities that we have, Jeff, and I call it bright starts and bold futures. We're going to teach our kids to read. 51% of the kids in New York City public schools do not read on grade level. 64% of black kids and 63% of Latino kids in New York City public schools don't read on grade level. But this has not been just a city issue. It's a national issue. 80% of the kids in Chicago don't read on grade level. 91% of the kids in the city of Detroit do not read on grade level. And, and that's not because it's certainly not the kids' fault. And in many ways, it's not even the teacher's fault. We have been using a flawed playbook for years with respect to how, do we, how we teach kids to read. And for a long time, you've heard about something called balanced literacy. It's a very progressive approach to the teaching of reading. I think it was well-intentioned, but it absolutely missed the mark. So we're going back to a more old-school approach based on what we call the science of reading, which for a lot of people simply means it has as its basis phonics. You know, for years, and we have not really even been teaching phonics, how to decode words um, in our school system. A lot of people are shocked when they hear that. Um, 
It's like building a house and starting on the second floor. That is and my I'm, number one priority, Jeff. We're going to teach the kids how to read, and then we're going to create career pathways so the kids can have both futures. And that engages the business community and so many others to make sure we're really preparing kids for the jobs of these emerging industries that are happening each and every day. You know, and we want to continue on that. But before we do, one thing is because I know this week uh, you had done an interview on uh, ABC TV. You had mentioned you had a bit of breaking news. The state was releasing test scores for our schools this week. You said it's really, really good news for New York City public schools. Can you elaborate on that and share with our listeners how we did? Yeah, I'd like to elaborate more. But right now, the, the, the state is still doing its full-on analysis. And, uh, and, and, and so we're going to kind of wait a little bit longer for the state. However, I will say this, the, the state has in fact given us the scores for each one of our districts around the city. I don't know how that compares to Buffalo or Syracuse or Rochester or Albany. Um, and, and you know, the test was a slightly different test than the year before. So it's, it's not a complete apples to apples comparison. And that's why the state is asking that we, that we kind of wait a little longer to give them a little bit more time to finish doing this, uh, to disaggregate all the data. But all the indicators that we have show us uh, increasing in math and science. I'll leave it at that for the moment, math and, uh, and ELA. Uh, I'll leave it at that for the moment until uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully the state will have finished its work, and then we'll know much more definitively what to say on this issue. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons, and our guest right now is New York City Schools Chancellor David Banks. And Chancellor, I want to just jump back in time for one second, because I really do think with the migrant crisis, the asylum seeker crisis on so many people's minds, I wonder if you could just elaborate a little bit more about the impact that the children of migrants uh, entering the school system is having and what the experience has been like or what you would uh, hope for it to be like in public schools right now. Listen, I, I, I'm very mindful of the fact that New York City is a city of immigrants. Uh, that, that is the history of this city. And it bothers me a little bit to see folks who kind of are raising up in a way that uh, it, it kind of turns their back on, on that history, that legacy of, of what, in fact, has made New York the, the great city that it is. Um, the, these are people who have been fleeing other countries, and, and seeking a better life. And think, think about what must be happening where you live, where you are willing to put your life on the line and cross rivers and go through jungles with your babies in tow to come to a place that you think would hold some sense of promise for you. I'm very sensitive to that. Um, and I recognize that it is a huge political issue, and the, and the issue is really more about the resources that are needed to support these folks and giving them the ability to work. They didn't come here for a handout. And, uh, but, what, but when they show up, no matter what the situation with their children, it is my responsibility to take care of the babies. And that's what we're doing all over the city. So since the influx of the migrants, we've had over 20,000. Those numbers are not definitive because they include uh, the students who are already living in temporary housing in our, in our city who, who may not have, in fact, been migrants. But, but, the, but, but, but the overwhelming majority of these uh, Students, in fact, are migrant students, and we are um, we're welcoming them. And I will tell you this: I could take you to visit any school in the city, and you would not know the difference between the migrant kids and the kids who have been here for years. They all look like the same kids because at the, the heart of it, they all are the same kids. You know, some of the kids, uh, the deep kids that are coming here, are smart. They're brilliant. They're hardworking. They're showing up every day. They 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 want a better life. There are some challenges with respect to language, but uh, we've been making uh, a number of adjustments to do that. We've got over 3,400 English as a new language teachers. We've got over 1,700 bilingual teachers, and we have hundreds more teachers who actually have licenses that can step into the breach and help us close the gap even more. But many of them had secondary licenses. So what I mean by that is we have a teacher who might teach social studies, but they also have bilingual education as their secondary license. And the reason they've never activated that license to use it, even in a moment of need, is because the old rule said if you do that, you lose your tenure. You have to start all over again. Well, then there's nobody that's going to give up their tenure to start all over again as though they're a first-year teacher. 
So the State Education Department recently issued new guidelines that allow those uh, teachers to shift into that secondary license and not lose their tenure. That's going to open up hundreds more teachers who can step in and help help us in this time of need for these kids. I feel really good about where we are. And I definitely hear you on some of those issues and some of those motivations, Chancellor, being the daughter of an immigrant myself. Um, I'm wondering if you want to take just a moment right now to uh, let people know uh, what do you think the school system needs right now in order to better care for and accommodate these kids who are coming into the, the system? Obviously, they are not choosing to be here in most cases. They are being brought here by their, their families, by their parents who are, are coming out of uh, various uh, sometimes desperate situations, what would help the school system right now in dealing with that crisis? Uh, first of all, it starts with a spirit of compassion, true compassion. Um, and, and, and we are seeing that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, blinded by some of the uh, scenes that we see on TV, so that is representative of what's happening all over the city. What's happening all over the city are people, parents, uh, local businesses, who have wrapped their arms around these kids and have said, uh, we recognize the challenge and in so many cases the trauma that these kids have gone through and that uh, folks are leading with their heart and they're helping. They're leading food drives and, uh, and, and clothing drives as the winter season hits. I mean, if you really wanted to see New York City at its best in our public schools, I, I offer you this as an example. Um, uh, so it's not what you might necessarily see on the news, but all across the city, people are doing their part. Now, that being said, we don't want to overwhelm any one particular school with uh, too many uh, brand-new students, and that school does not have the capacity to accommodate them. So we're making sure this year that we're moving and spreading the kids around a little bit so that, you know, if, if, if you're a mom and dad of a, a, a migrant family and you got a child in the first grade and there's a local school that's right up the block, that's where we want to place you. But if, if that school is filled to capacity, we're going to move you a little further away because we don't want to overwhelm that one particular school. The bigger issue is that we need the federal government to put up the funding that's going to help us to do this because it's not simply what's going on in the schools. It's the housing. It's the health care. These are the things that the mayor is talking about. We're talking about upwards of $12 billion. So um, the mayor has love in his heart for these kids and for their families. But he's been simply saying to the federal government, you can't expect for New York City to shoulder all of this ourselves because those dollars, those billions of dollars have to come from somewhere. And uh, as I stand shoulder to shoulder with him on that. And Chancellor, you know, you had mentioned before, and I did as well in the intro about COVID-related funding that's inspiring. COVID is top of mind right now. You had said this in a, a recent, uh, uh, I guess, conversation you had with reporters. It remains top of mind for many families. Can you uh, talk a little, given that we're seeing increased uh, rates of, of COVID cases uh, right now, what the system is doing to allay any concerns that parents or teachers that staff might have about how the system is going to be able to address this in this in this current school year? Yeah, I, I, I feel good about where we are. Listen, we're seeing a little uptick. It's not a major uptick, and, and it's not actually even surprising. And, and as we begin to go into the the winter season, you know, it's historically it's the cold and flu season anyway. Um, and then it's just because somebody starts coughing on doesn't mean they, they've got COVID either. Um, so I would just uh, continue to remind families uh, to follow all the protocols that have been laid out by the Department of Health. Uh, they offer up the guidelines uh, for us around ensuring that your kids get all the vaccinations um, that are appropriate for, 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 for them and for their age uh, and are consistent with your own values as a family. If any family decides that, you know, they want their child to, to, to get a mask or they simply have to do is request one, and they can certainly uh, they can certainly get that. We've got all of our air purifiers in our rooms uh, up to speed and ready to go. Um, you know, we feel good. We The hardest part of this has happened for us already, and we've learned a lot in the process. We will continue to be guided by the science and the direction of the Department of Health uh, federally and certainly here in New York City on what we should be doing. So we're paying attention, um, but we feel really good about where we are right now. 
And I want to also bring up the other topic I mentioned right before you came on uh, the show today, which is about the mayor imposing budget cuts, because, I mean, it's not just with the Department of Education, it's all city agencies. There are going to be three rounds or three potential rounds of budget cuts, uh, including the first ones that would take place in November, if I'm correct. This is going to lead to some very difficult decisions. Where are you looking at? Where should, you know, because everyone's going to be wondering what's going to get cut, how it's going to impact them, whether they work in the system or whether their kids go in the system. Where are the areas you will look at uh, to determine where you can cut? Jeff, this is the stuff that's keeping me up at night. Um, You know, I'm not happy. There's no commissioner in the city right now that's happy. Uh, because uh, we will all be affected. The entire city will be affected. The mayor, the mayor has a, uh, a, a, a legal responsibility to balance the budget. And in order for him to do that, uh, we're all going to have to uh, suffer to some degree, every city agency. Now, New York City Public Schools represents one-third of the city's budget. So anytime that there are cuts, um, they are significant. And parents are never happy. Community members are never happy about any cuts at all to public school. And I'm not happy about it, right? But I've got to deal with the reality that if this is what I'm charged with doing, so we are grappling with the numbers right now. I don't have definitive answers, but I will tell you, everything is on the table from your favorite program that we have in our school to after school, this and that. All the things are on the table. The one thing the mayor said is not on the table right now are layoffs. And so no teachers will lose their jobs. None of our educators are going to lose their jobs. Uh, and we are always looking to cut the fat of our bureaucracy. Um, but, but there's only so much fat that you can cut when you're talking about 15% cuts. Those are very, very, very significant cuts. 5% in November, 5% in January, another 5% perhaps in March, April. I mean, that, that, those, those are tough. Those are very, very tough. And we're going to engage uh, uh, all of our constituencies in that process. I'm not simply going to go in a room myself and decide this is what it is, but uh, we're going to lay the options out. We're going to be talking to a wide range of folks and try to collectively make some decisions. I wish I didn't have to cut anything, but this is the mandate that we've been given, and, and I've, got to, I've got to work uh, really hard to comply and do it in a way um, that does not disrupt the most important things that we're doing. you got to remember this, too, Jeff, and keep this in mind. For many years, Right, we have a $37.5 billion budget. It's a, a, a huge percentage of that goes to costs that we really have almost no control over. We've got to feed the kids, right? We've got we to we, we open the schools. We've got to pay for the heat. So it, there are a lot of fixed costs that are already there. But the things that we do have autonomy and some real flexibility, um, we're going to try to be as responsible as we can. But also remembering that it's, even with all these, with this big budget, we still were not teaching our kids to read. So I'm, I'm very focused on getting it right. Uh, and unfortunately, there are going to be some programs that are absolutely going to be cut. There will be no way around it. Uh, Schools Chancellor David Banks is our guest right now here on WBAI's Driving Forces. Chancellor, I know Jeff had asked you uh, a few moments ago about COVID. Uh, Obviously, people are going to be taking some precautions, I hope, uh, you know, in terms of boosters and masking and so on when it's necessary to protect their safety. I'm wondering if you could talk more broadly about any other safety measures that are going to be implemented this school year, what you're doing to keep kids safe. Obviously, we just saw a real bad situation out in Pennsylvania, for example, this is fugitive. That was a, an extreme case, but uh, kids being uh, kept out of schools, people staying in their homes. What can you say generally about anything new that the city is doing or uh, re-upping uh, to keep kids safe while they are in school? So one, one of the first things we're doing is, you know, is the door locking system, uh, which, which is really designed to keep bad guys out of our schools. When we hear about these issues happening all across the country and people go in and shoot up the school, uh, thank God we've not had that happen here in New York City. Um, and I want to do everything I can to, uh, to try to ensure that it doesn't happen here. Uh, this is meant as another layer of safety. And so essentially, once the kids are in school to start the day, we're going to lock that front door. You, nobody will just be able to simply walk into the school. And there's a camera system. You press the bell. And the school safety agent at the front desk, you'll identify yourself no matter who it is, 
And uh, if you've got a reason to be there, you will be admitted. Um, and if you don't, and we get a sense that this is somebody who really shouldn't be there, we'll be able to address it further out from the school as opposed to inside the school. Just, just last year, my first year as chancellor, we, we had a person who was released from a mental institution. And within moments of being released, walked into the school completely deranged and could have caused all kinds of damage. The, the principal of the school and the school safety agent were in a full-scale fight with this person before the police could even come. And this is a school that has, I think, uh, pre-K all the way through second grade. These are our youngest babies. No, there's no telling what could have happened. What we're trying to do with this camera and door locking system is to ensure the safety of those, of those babies. So we're starting out with all of our elementary schools first. We have 744 elementary schools in the city of New York. We've already done over 100 schools, and we're doing dozens a week uh, until we reach the 744. We'll be finished by the spring, and after that, we'll do the middle schools and the high schools. This time next year, we have this conversation. Every school in New York City will be fully outfitted with that. In addition to that, we've increased the number of school safety agents. Uh, at its high point, they had over 5,000 school safety agents. When the mayor and I came into office, we were just a little over 3,000. We had lost a lot during the pandemic. We are over 4,000 now and still climbing. So we want to make sure we get the school safety agents back in place. And the final thing I will tell you is that we've launched something that we call Project Pivot. That launched last year, uh, and now we've expanded it. We're up to over 250 community-based organizations that are in some of the toughest neighborhoods in the city where we've really engaged people who, who are from those communities to help us, to help us mentor kids, uh, to help provide safe passage to and from school, to be an extra level of support for the principal and the teachers in that school. We're really excited about it. We think we got some good results. We're going to continue to expand on that work. When we say the mantra that it takes a village to raise a child, Project Pivot represents the village also participating in this process. And the final word I would say is that to all parents who are out there, we ask you to reach out to your school principal. Um, offer up yourselves uh, when possible to be there in the morning, even for a few minutes uh, after school at dismissal, just to keep your eyes open uh, and ensuring the safety of all, all of the kids, not just your own child, but all the kids. Because at the end of the day, they're all our kids, and it's all not simply the chances. So, Chancellor, I know we're going to have to wrap in about a minute or two. I want to throw in a very quick question just to give us a very brief update on the potential for a bus strike. I know if parents are listening, they're very concerned about this. Yeah, yeah. Fingers are still crossed. They are negotiating around the table. It's important for parents to know we, we are not a direct party here. Um, our, our buses that take our kids to and from school are essentially contracted vendors that we work with who provide this service. And then these, these, these drivers have their own union. And so it's essentially a, a dispute that's happening between the union um, as well as the, uh, these contracted vendors. Now, we certainly have a say. The mayor has, uh, has met with – I have spoken with folks. We've got people at the negotiating table right now on a daily basis, round the clock. We're working really hard to avert this. Uh, bus strikes will, a bus strike would be very messy, period, point blank, end of story. Nobody wants it. And speaking of messy final and speaking of messy final question for you off topic question yes. because of my great sources in the Department <laughs> of Education obviously Aaron yes. Rodgers basically suffering his season ending uh, uh, Achilles injury your thoughts on that I'm devastated are you kidding me I work really really hard all week and on Sundays I go to church and then I come back and I watch football for the rest of the day that's how I relax during the football season I'm a huge 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 New York Jets fan uh, from the days, the early days of Joe Namath. And we finally had a great, great quarterback that was going to take us to the Super Bowl. And in the very first quarter, he got hurt and his loss for the season. So I'm devastated. Uh, I'm certainly hopeful that they can figure it out. And, uh, but it was, it was tough. We won that game, by the way, in overtime. But uh, I feel really bad for Aaron Rodgers. I feel bad for us as Jets fans. And I'm just I'm going to try to keep hope alive, but it's tough. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Chancellor. I wonder if uh, Aaron Rodgers is wishing now that he had, in fact, gotten that job hosting Jeopardy instead of uh, taking this uh, this new chapter in his in his football career. But we do want to thank you so so much for coming back on the show. You've been great uh, about joining us here on WBAI, and we do hope to have you back real soon. Wishing you the best for a, a happy, healthy, and productive school year. Thank you so much, and to your to your listeners. 
teach, we're going to teach the kids to read. Keep reading with the kids. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live via WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons every Thursday at 5, and we hope you really enjoyed that conversation. We try to bring you really great guests, really meaningful guests who can tell you something about the way we live, the way this city works, how our kids are doing. I think uh, uh, the epitome of that kind of guest is school chancellor David Banks. Thank you, Jeff. I want to give major props specifically to Jeff for making that happen. And, you know, education is one of these topics where listeners call in. We are going to be opening the phones in the second half of the show that's coming up in just a minute. But of course, of course, we do have to ask you to think about this question. Why do you listen to WBAI? Is it because you want to get a unique, different perspective on politics, society, education, social justice? perspective you can't get anywhere else. Do you listen for a particular show? Hopefully it's driving forces. Do you listen for particular topics that are covered in a different way by this station than you can get anywhere else in the city? So what does this station mean to you? And if you are one of the many, many people in New York City and beyond who've listened to the station over the last more than 60 years, something must be resonating with you, right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, I think about the people that I meet on the street that I meet at the farmer's market here in Jackson Heights, and they tell me why they listen to WBAI, their specific shows they mention, specific hosts that they mention. It means something to them. So please, folks, if you've got a few moments, this is a crisis for us. The station could go off the air if it doesn't clean up its financial problems and time is running out. So we're going to give you the number to call to donate. And then uh, after the break, we are going to want you to call in. We'll give you a different number then for you to, so you can call us. But here's the number to call to donate and become what we call a BAI buddy. We're trying to get five of them, at least five during this show, where you give a recurring donation. It goes right on your credit card every month. That number to call if WBAI means something to you. 212-209-2950. Again, that's 212-209-2950. Or you could just go online to WBAI.org. That, again, that is WBAI.org. Now, if you just tuned in, you are listening to Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, and my amazing colleague, Celeste Katz-Marston on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, and as always, streaming live at WBAI.org. We are going to take your call shortly, so please, here is that studio number. It's a different number than what I gave you to donate. We want you, because we want you to call in after the break, and that number to call in is 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212 212- 209-2877. Celeste and I are going to take a short break now and leave you with some earth, wind, and fire.
Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's September here on Driving Forces, WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. That handsome other guy is Jeff Simmons. We just had a great conversation. It's radio. How would they know? I know. (laughs) I know. You can hear it in your voice, Jeff. And we want to hear from you. We had a great conversation just now with New York City Schools Chancellor David Banks. Not the first time, not even the second time, I don't think, that he has been on this program. We try to bring you important guests who have a lot to say about how the city works, how we live. We want to hear from you right now. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. What do you think of the impact of asylum seekers' children entering the school system? Do you think this is going to work out well? Do you think this is going to be a problem? Are you you worried about COVID coming back into the schools? Are you worried about uh, the possibility of another lockdown, another year or season or minute of remote schooling? 212-209-2877 is the number to call. We're going to go to the phones right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Daryl McPherson, Bronx, New York. Daryl, we've missed you. We've missed you. How's it going? That's two of us, Celeste, but that's a longer story than we have time for right now. Um, (laughs) What's going on today? The next time um, that you have Dr. Banks on, could you ask him to do two things? One, announce to the parents that he's going to be on WBAI so he can listen to the fine interviewing skills of Celeste Katz and uh, who's that other guy? Jeff Simmons. There we go. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) That way we get listeners and we get potential members. Two, um, I'm going to go off on my good shop thing again. Entice him to get $10,000 per school in less than 20 seconds by having each school register at goodshop.com and then have all the students search, rather than using the other G engine, goodsearch.org. One million searches, $10,000. That's what I'm attempting to get the... um, WBAI, I'm rephrased. That's what I'm asking the WBAI on phone. That's what I'm asking the WBAI uh, listeners to do, to just change their behavior and raise money for WBAI. By the way, this is definitely a $600 program-raising show. So, folks, go to the wallets, go to the credit cards, and... um, Give these folks some money so I can keep getting educated and maybe someday graduate from school. Thank you, Daryl. Listen, everybody out there in Radio Land, listen to Daryl. He knows what he's talking about. Thank you, Daryl, for calling in this week and all the times you've called in. But you know what? He's making a good point. And listen, if you want to call in right now and talk about the schools, that's great. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. If you want to call in, same number. 212-209-2877 and talk about what WBAI means to you. Why do you support WBAI? Why should other people who are listening today support this station? That would be great. And I know Jeff and I, actually, Jeff, you know what? I think we can officially make our announcement since the big <laughs> day, the big day just happened. Jeff and I want you to know that we have been together on the radio. For five years. We have just passed our five-year anniversary of driving forces here on WBAI. Jeff, Jeff, how do you feel about this I, I, this this major milestone in our lives? I've been shopping for something wooden for you because I think of the five-year anniversary is supposed to be wood, and but I don't know if you need another chair in your house. Well, I don't know. I was wondering if you might like a beautiful tote bag because I happen to be, and I'll tell you the story of how I got this beautiful tote bag. What I did was I became a BAI buddy. Okay. I pledged my support uh, every month to this radio station. And uh, that's not coming out of my paycheck, folks, because Jeff and I are volunteers. We do not get paid to appear here with you on Driving Forces. And Jeff even does a second program, City Watch, on Sunday mornings, which you should listen to. But we are doing this because we care about independent, free speech, non-commercial radio. We think the city needs an alternative to the mass market stations, the other, uh, the other media outlets that, you know, plenty of these outlets are great. Jeff and I have worked for a bunch of them, no doubt about that. But WBAI gives you something really unique. And we are asking you today, please go to WBAI.org 
and pledge your support. Become a BAI buddy. And please do it in the name of this show, Driving Forces. You can do that at WBAI.org. Please do it today. Don't wait. This station needs your help. And you're not just supporting us. You're supporting the community. You are supporting free speech. You're supporting progressive voices when we need it most. I mean, plus, of course, becoming a BAI buddy comes with some fantastic perks like the tote bag that Celeste has and that I have. I also have the BAI masks. I might have to order some new ones simply because I've worn them so much. But we cannot stress this enough. We need your help to keep the, we'll say the lights on, but basically we need your help to stay on the air, to keep the airwaves humming with the voices of our city. We need to give you a different number once again. We know we're giving you the number to call us, but if you wish to call to donate, this is a different number, 212-209-2950. But during the show, why not just call in to us at the number Celeste gave you and let us know why WBAI means something to you. And that number to call us right now on the air live is 212-209-2877. And let us know how you feel about become, you know, being part of our community. Like Daryl McPherson did a wonderful pitch for us. He was great when he calls and he always has some great insight. We hear from him. We hear from Roger from New Milford. They're regular callers who call in with val- opinions that we value. And they also call in. You also call in and tell us the issues you want us to talk about. The reason we, Celeste and I, have talked about this issue involving the influx of migrants that have come to New York City is because the fl- phone lines have been lit up. Every time we discuss this issue and we want to give you, we can't always get to all those calls. So we want to give you more of a chance to be able to weigh in on this issue. And so I don't know if you heard about this, but a poll had come out this week Mm -hmm. by Siena College Mm -hmm. Research Institute. And basically it said that New Yorkers support by 59% to 33%. They support making it easier for migrants currently in New York to be granted work authorizations regardless of their immigration status. So I'm sure that folks have strong opinions on this too. You can call in and let us know about that too. Exactly. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. 212-209-2877. What do you think of what school chancellor David Banks had to say about the new locking system for our schools, where all the schools are essentially going to be locked down, at least the front entryways of the schools are going to be locked down. Do you think that that's the appropriate thing? Is it uh, too little? Is it too late? Is it too soon? I mean, how do you feel about having these kinds of security measures in public schools? These are public gathering places. But he did tell what I, Jeff, what I thought was an incredibly shocking story about somebody yeah. experiencing a profound um, mental illness, it sounded like, or at least having some sort of a, a mental health episode coming into the school and straight up brawling with school mm-hmm. staff and how that could have ended. You know, what do you think in general of how safe are our public schools 212-209-2877 212-209-2877 and i have to say i'd really love to hear from some teachers and some school staff uh, admin staff whatever it may be uh 212-209-2877 or some and- students yeah, or some students. Students, we love students. So, and this is, you know, this is part of what makes WBAI unique. We make time for you. We are not just talking at you. We are talking with you. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. We are ready to speak to you, but we really try to make this a community experience. And we really try to bring on guests that are interesting for you to listen to, but also to interact with. We can't promise that every guest is going to be able to take your calls directly, but we do want want to hear from you. And I think that's one of the things that makes WBAI very, very unique. And that's why we really need you to support this station. Listen, I'm going to give it to you straight. I mean, you know, we we do uh, support community radio. We support independent media. We support free speech, all those things. But you know what? I'm going to say it flat out. This station needs money. This station is going to go broke and the station is going to go off the air. They're going to sell the license. There is not going to be any more WBAI, more than 60 years of history of making an impact in New York will go right in the trash. We'll go on some dusty shelf, some archive department uh, of uh, some library, and that'll be it. And there will not be this outlet on FM radio for people to get out there in the community and talk to each other and talk in a way that their elected officials, their neighbors, their friends are the decision makers in this community are going to hear them. 
and it really does not take long to support us. You know, uh, trust me, I've been on the phone with, uh, I almost mentioned certain companies, I'll say with a cable company or with a phone company, how long it takes me where I'm pulling out my hair to get something resolved. This is only a minute or two of your time to be able to go online at WBAI.org, just plunk in some information, you'll get the tote bag. Most people, by the way, give 15 or $20 a month as BAI buddies. That helps us. That helps not just this show, it helps the station because we're, and we are counting on you. So please take a few moments, go to WBAI.org today, stand up for free speech radio. Now, I want to give you that phone line again if you want to call in right now on the show and weigh in on some of the topics that Celeste had mentioned. That number is 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. And Celeste, you know, you were talking about that with the lockdown procedures at the schools. I have not had this happen recently, but I have over my career here in New York City been um, stunned actually when I've been able to just walk into a school and I find myself approaching people, where's the front office? Like I've, it's not been that front door because oh, if yeah. you go in the front door, you find school s safety. But I've actually had this happen where I'm like, I just walked into this school. You know, I have a reason for being there, but amazed that no one stopped me. And I'm the one approaching someone saying, how do I get to the front? Where do you know, where's the principal's office if I'm going there? It's the, uh, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of happy to hear something like this. And hopefully it gives a level of comfort to parents, teachers, staff, students, that they know that there's this new security measure that's been implemented. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Jeff, and you, you are an alum of the New York Daily News. Uh, when I worked mm. there, I covered schools for a period. Mostly I did cover politics. I covered crime. I covered actually covered Queens, started out in the Queens Bureau. But yeah, when I was covering schools, you do find an incredible variation. Some schools are very strict about it. Some schools, you know, make sure that every entranceway is covered. But other schools don't do that. And is it because they don't uh, have the capacity to do it? Is it because it's not a priority? Is it because somebody was out sick that day? I mean, it could be a lot of different things. And I'm not here to cast aspersions on a particular school because I'm, I'm just not in a position to do that. And that's not what this show is about. But rather, the bigger question is, how safe are our kids? Do you feel like your kids are safe in the schools? Do you think the schools are a lot different than when you attended public schools in New York City. 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. And again, these are the kinds of conversations that we want to keep having. Uh, Jeff is right. When we spoke about the migrant crisis, that, you know, the phone lines were obviously blowing up. People had a lot to say. We're going to go back to the phones right now. Again, 212-209-2877. I'm going to try to get to as many calls as we can. 212-209-2877. This is WBAI New York. Going back to the phones, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Uh, yes. Hi, this is Arnold from Queens. Uh, in regards to the lockdown, hi, how you doing? Uh, well, uh, just to let you know, I am a member of BAI, and it's crucial that, you know, we, if your membership is up, please renew it because, I mean, this is a, an invaluable source of information. Now, regarding to the lockdown, uh, I mean, basically, I think that's a little extreme, but on the other side of the situation, we don't uh, spend enough time and effort in trying to improve the mental health situations in the city, if not the country, because in New York City, I mean, you have a couple of mental hospitals that have been closed down. So nothing is really being done to address mental illness. And number two, because uh, I'm a school bus driver, they need to stop the privatization of these school bus companies because these school bus companies or exploiting the school bus drivers, because how can you expect to work 10 hours a day and bring home $800 a week after taxes? I mean, in the New York City, I mean, that's unconscionable. So, you know, New York City school bus drivers are people, too, and we deserve a living wage. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you so much for calling in. We're going to jump right into that other call. Obviously, we've only got about a few minutes left. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. Briefly, what's your name? Where are you from? And briefly, what's your question or statement? Roger New Milford. Hey, the Roger, uh, how are you? Issue. Doing well. Hey, huh? congratulations, guys, on five years. Always an excellent program. Much appreciated. Uh, the work permit issue. Uh, this is going to hurt working people, citizen working people. It's a question of supply and demand.
This is a big pool of labor. I know these contractors. A lot of them are going to go with a low number. Secondly, I keep coming back to this. It's a resource allocation question. How many people are going to come into the city before it starts taking away from the city residents, the regular city residents? The mayor has mentioned this already, the impact on the budget. This thing has to be controlled, guys. It's got to be done legally. You just can't have an open border. Thanks again. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Roger. I want to thank uh, our callers today, Roger from New Milford, Daryl McPherson, the people who actually make this show happen every week. Pretty soon, actually, Jeff and I, maybe we'll, after five years, we'll hang it up and you can listen to the Roger and Daryl show. But we genuinely appreciate every single one of your calls. We also, of course, want to thank today's uh Star guests, the New York City Schools Chancellor, David Banks. I want to thank our engineer, Reggie Johnson, for always keeping this show on the tracks. And Jeff, are you back on Sunday with City Watch? Yes, I'm going to be here at bright and early, 8 a.m. Sunday morning with City Watch. My guest is former New York State Governor David Patterson, and I know he's going to weigh in on the migrant situation. He's already made some headlines on that issue about how he feels that the city, state, and President Biden have handled this crisis. And he's also going to share his thoughts on the presidential race. We can't wait to ask him about that. So tune in this Sunday at 8 a.m. when Carlos Menchaca and I will bring you the latest episode of City Watch. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of Driving Forces. Celeste and I will be back here next Thursday. And Celeste, I believe you have been looking into a topic that's been making some news lately that you want to discuss next week. Yeah, I think that this is something that we've talked about a little bit in the past, but I think we're going to do uh, much more on it because it's a very serious issue. And of course, that is the problem with people dying. Yes, dying in incidents of subway surfing, people riding the trains, uh, you know, being totally unsafe. What does this mean? How can we stop it? Who's doing it? We're going to look at all of that with our special guest, Jose Martinez, reporter uh, covering transportation for the city nonprofit newsroom here. You should definitely check that out. So we we will be here next Thursday at this time. And just another reminder, we mean this. We need your help. We need your help. We need your help. Please become a BAI buddy in the name of Driving Forces. Go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. We want to stay on the air. Don't make Jeff cry, please. 212-209-2950 or just go to WBAI.org and become a BAI buddy. Give as generously as you can. Support free speech radio. Support an independent progressive voice for New York City. Just as a reminder, we upload every edition of this program to SoundCloud, Apple, and Stitcher, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So you can subscribe, never miss a program. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook too. That said, see you on the radio.